And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. I am your host, Jenna Sparks, and this is episode 175. So again, welcome to the world of Mythbits. You know what episode it is. It is the review for issue 106. You have waited ever so patiently for the release of the magazine and also the review. And I think everybody is very grateful for the patience that uh, everybody has shown because things happen, you know, and uh, <laughs> it, it it only adds more stress when people uh, don't quite respect that things happen. So, (laughs) on a different note, let's jump into a bit of housekeeping, and then I have some news to share for myself. All right, so first and foremost, Dark Myth Publications' newest release of Stephanie J. Barty's Musings from Me goes on pre-sale today. May 2nd, and will be released to the public on May the 10th. Uh, Also, next Monday, woohoo, we will announce the 10 contestants that will be moving uh, forward to round two of the Open Contract Challenge, so may the odds be ever in your favor. And additionally, Dave is currently in negotiations with the same company that prints our paperback books uh, to expand into printing the up-and-coming comic series American Smash, as well as all of the New Wave comics titles as well. So, a nice, peaceful, easy week, as we could call it. I'm sure that is not uh, (laughs) the entire truth, but... Uh, We like good news. We like uh, happy news. So I'm going to, before we jump into the review, and I'm very sorry to do this on this episode, uh, but I do have something I really want to share because I'm uh, over the moon, through the roof, in excitement, uh, not anger, (laughs) and over the moon. So you probably have heard me talk about a piece I was working on a couple last month um, for a contest. And the piece was uh, really, really unique to me because I was utilizing uh, techniques and tactics that I'd always wanted to start working with. And, and that it was like a diorama piece. Um, and it took probably about f- four three weeks-ish total. Uh, it, it took a minute. Uh, and there were a lot of little things, a lot of cutting, a lot of not actually as many uh, wounds from a craft blade as uh, I've previously wound up with. Anyway, so I entered the contest and a couple weeks later, they announced the winners, the winners, and I was like, okay, that's cool. I wasn't on it. And I was like, that's fine, you know, whatever. But they had put on their Pinterest. Now, if you're not aware of who I'm talking about, the people who held the, the people, the company that held the contest uh, is a film studio called Leica Studios. And I talk about them frequently, and I've probably already talked about them for the contest. But if you need a refresher, Leica, Leica Studios is a uh, motion, uh, a stop motion animation company, and they do phenomenal, phenomenal work where they blend, seamlessly blend, uh, traditional stop motion techniques with technology. And they do use some CGI, but it the results are just unparalleled in the beauty. Like they have found this beautiful organic mixture of 
how to create such unique visions in their animation and everything in the films that they've done have been Coraline, uh, Paranorman, The Box Trolls, The Missing Link, Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, just like I, I, the first film of theirs that I saw, I mean, I'd seen Coraline, I'd seen uh, James and the Giant Peach, I think was like their one of their earliest, earliest films. But when I was uh, a lot, when, when Paranorman came out, I took my nephew to go see it in theaters and I just, I fell in love. I fell in love with everything. So it kind of became our little thing to go see like a new releases in theaters and everything. Anyway, I am a like just a, a huge fan of the artistry that goes into uh, their work and their films and everything. And uh, it has, you know, up into this day, up to this day, like it has routinely inspired me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like I've always really wanted to, I always joke about, you know, I don't care if they want to hire me to scrub toilets, I would do anything to work at Leica Studios. So, <laughs> um, anyway, just the, the artistry and everything that goes into the work, you know, it, it just blows me away. And I watch it with, I mean, the way people react to like Pixar or Star Wars or you know, things that just make them feel uh, these these uh, plethora of emotions. You know, that's how I feel watching Leica films because it just, I, I can't watch the films and not feel like overwhelm adoration and admiration for the worksmanship, workmanship, worksmanship, workmanship, the craftsmanship that goes into the films. So... Anyway, so they held this contest, and it was a fan art contest. And, of course, I was like, well, that's what I do. I might as well. And I for, forever long wanted to do a Paranorman-themed piece, but I kept chickening out. You know, I just, I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to do anything that I feel is good enough for <laughs> what that film, you know, like, means to me. And so I never, I, I didn't. I just didn't push myself. And then finally the contest came around and I was like, well, there's no time like now, so might as well. So I ventured into territory that, again, you know, just trying to do diorama art, which I've always wanted to really do. And I definitely plan on doing more. And again, it was a lot of labor, a lot of work. And <clears throat> sorry. And it just it, it was a whole new experience, you know, in doing something. And I am so proud of the piece. And it came out really like I'm just really really proud of it um so like I said they announced the winners and I wasn't on the docket and like I said I was fine you know they had a really long amount of entries <laughs> and I was like you know what that's fine like I'm in really good company I'm not you know bothered it it, it challenged me and I did something that I had previously been really too scared to do and I think you know that still meant you know a great deal to me and then it was kind of funny because after they announced the winners, they put on their Instagram, like, check out, check out uh, some of our favorites on our Pinterest. So I went on and my piece was on there, my the video I had made for the piece. And, you know, of course, I'm like all giddy because there were, I think, like 40 other people. Um, and their pieces on the Pinterest board and I was of, of just additional favorites and I was like that makes me so happy you know like I just somebody somebody who works at Leica like stopped to recognize my piece they stopped or they they had to uh you know save it download it so they could upload it uh to the Pinterest and all of that so it just I don't know like I I really was looking at it like as a complete uh, moment of amazement for me. So, you know, I, again, I was just, I was really proud of myself. And then this morning <laughs> I woke up and I opened my phone as I usually do. And, you know, nine times out of 10, <laughs> I don't know why I do it. I really shouldn't. Uh, but except for cases like this, you know, the past couple of days, like I've had a fear of opening my phone first thing when I wake up, I'm just like, don't do it. Uh, cause it's usually just something bad, something I don't want to deal with. Uh, but today I opened my phone and guess who slid into my DMS y'all. 
uh, I had a message from Leica Studios. And I, <laughs> I pulled open the preview of the message because I'm like, no, I, I have to be cool. Like, what are they sending me? And at first I thought, oh, maybe they were like just doing, you know, a post and they had like tagged me or something in a story. I don't know. So I opened up the preview and, you know, it said, Jenna, <laughs> Leica Studios knows my name. Jenna, <laughs> uh, let me just, I'm going to read it. Hold on, because uh, I'm a little weak baby. gets <laughs> over emotional. Um, so they had said, if I can get to my messages fast enough. All right. It said, hello, Jenna. We loved your angry Aggie hashtag like a contest entry so much that we've chosen you as the fourth winner of the National Craft Month Fan Art Contest. The piece you created captures the spirit of Paranorman beautifully. Um, so I, I, like, I, I cried. I cried really hard over that. And I know it's so silly. Like, I just, I never win anything. Like, you know, I, I, I think the most exhilarating thing I've ever actually won was a uh, member of the month a couple a couple months ago on <laughs> the magazine and so it just I don't know like it was really 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 like really exciting and really validating because you know it just I don't know like uh, there's a whole like I should I could just devote an entire episode to the way it feels like I know it's not like oh you won first place and blah 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 but it's like just to be you know I I don't know if they did you know like a fifth the sixth the seventh eighth you know I don't know if they did that like I don't know if they messaged other people and that's awesome there were three winners though so I was selected after the fact after they had had time to sit on the people who had already won that sounded weird but to think on it you know what I mean and they decided no we actually need to include you know this other person possibly in uh, other artists as well I don't know like I said and so it's like just the simple fact that you know it's like fourth place when there wasn't even supposed to be a fourth winner like I just I don't know like that to me I know it's probably very silly and I'm sure there's probably a lot of people who are like big deal but it is the biggest deal for me and in addition to the simple fact that today as I'm recording this episode um it is my dad's birthday and my dad died when I was very little and I'm oddly superstitious around his birthday and his death day just a lot of weird things happen around then um that you know probably are completely coincidental but in my brain I'm like no there's something weird about those two days so literally this day last year um was when I had gone in to get my uh bone marrow biopsy when I thought there was a chance that my cancer had returned and so, I don't know, like, just on an emotional level, like, to <laughs> have experienced something that was probably one of the, you know, second scariest days of my life, um, well, not considering the day I got the results, but, <laughs> uh, you know, just a truly, truly terrifying day. And then today where it just completely, like, you know, just something that, like, really... I don't know, just really um, makes me want to cry a whole lot of joyful tears. And I did. I cried a lot because I'm a big baby. I was literally screaming. I was screaming and, you know, my family in the house, they were like, oh, my God, I thought somebody died. Like, are you okay? So I, yeah. Okay, so thank you for listening to me uh, in my emotional, excited rambling. Like I said, I... Uh, I'm just very, very happy. So, <sighs> all right. <laughs> that means, though, now that I am done talking about uh, one of the most exhilarating moments of my life, uh, just to have like a studios in my DMs. <laughs> Sorry. We can move on now and why everybody is here once and for all again through your patience. And we have issue 106 of the World of Myth magazine, which was an excellent issue. So, 
let's jump into it in our first section, Drabble and Flash, and our first story, God's Purpose by Amrita Vallon. Uh, what I really loved about this piece is simply how it reads. Uh, it's a matter of fact nature of it all. Uh, the almost desens- desensitization of the reports regarding these murders, you know. So when the reality of the story reveals itself toward the end, it just kind of slaps you over the head. Um, I love how Amrita write, uh, how she wrote this piece because I feel like it also could have easily been um, a subject that registers as, like, super exploitative and shock for shock value, you know, just for the sake of, of shock value. Um But it absolutely doesn't come across like that. And it's just an excellently macabre, tragic, and honestly very interesting take. Especially the usage of post-death natural occurrences. So I'm already sold. Uh, Wonderful and intriguing work, Amrita. And next story, Devonia by Ellen Ashley. Uh, Ellen Ashley's ability to write about fish and make it legitimately emotional is in and of itself truly amazing. And I mean that with the sincerest respect and adoration of this piece. Uh, There's something really fascinating and beautiful about this piece and Devonia, the lungfish. Uh, (laughs) And there's a placidity uh, to the entirety of this work. But there's almost this like sense of fear and foreboding as the reader, you know, like what's going to happen and, you know, just over evolutionary courses and whatnot. I mean, we have an idea, but there's also just something really also hopeful in it, you know. Um, I just really, I really enjoyed the piece and uh, I thought it was really fascinating, you know, the perspective and just really, really interestingly unique. So thank you very much, Mr. Alan Ashley. And the next story, The New Neighbor by Lisa H. Owens. Oh, you can put the man in suburbia, but you can't, uh, wait, uh, you can't put the mobster into suburbia, Wait, you can put the mobster into suburbia, but you can't take suburbia out of the mob. No, okay, I can't make it work, but I tried. (laughs) The point is, uh, this one was absolutely delightful, and it was really eerie, and I really like the idea of even wondering and just kind of toying around with it in my brain uh, if Bob, you know, if obviously, you know, Bob's in on it, but like, thinking, like, what if he wasn't, (laughs) you know? Uh, There's just a few little, like, puzzle pieces that kind of open this mystery, and I'm living for it, because it's, I mean, it's there. We know, we get it, but I, you know, playing with the, but what if, you know? Uh, What if Bob was blackmailed, you know, into hosting Vinny? Uh, Are Bob and Vinny the same person? Uh, I just think Lisa gave us a super entertaining tale that's a lot of fun to think on, so great work, Lisa. And next up, Double Shot Espresso by Dawn DeBrawl. First of all, I have to give a standing ovation for the title of the story. My, my jaw, admittedly, it literally dropped uh, at the end and I felt like a child just engulfed in pure joy. Like, the title alone... And how it, I just, I don't know, I I just very easily entertained by it. Uh, Regarding the story, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Dawn always has this way of turning situations on their heads. So I I absolutely should have expected it, but I didn't. And the twist was, was super rewarding as a reader. You know, horrible awful consequences of the the fictional situation but absolutely brilliant in writing and again dawn just leaves me in absolute awe uh with her twists and her turns and you know all spread throughout her work so i just loved every minute of this story and it was absolutely terrific and the next story 
The First Time by Gabriella Balcom. Ooh, interesting is how my notes start. <laughs> One thing that I love about Gabriella's work is this um, reclamation of power for the protagonist throughout her story. So this one definitely hits in a way that's both familiar and it just kind of it clicks, you know. Knowing Gabriella's work, we we have a good idea that, you know, the the crispy antagonist, if you will, uh, truly must have deserved that fiery death. <laughs> and I think that's fun to explore, trying to rationalize uh, what's deserved or not, uh, and how much power teeters into, like, a god complex. But Gabriella humanized the protagonist, so again, it's just, it's fun to explore in hindsight, you know? So, excellent work, Gabriella. And the next story, The Road Less Traveled by Christopher Bice. Uh, <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> uh, you know... Dead sex workers is hardly a road less traveled in reality and fiction, but I also think that Chris is such a brilliant writer that it kind of makes up for it. Uh, it also makes me think of the real story of a woman who was picked up by a man and brought out into the middle of nowhere, where he proceeded to uh, amputate her arms and overall really just do major, major damage. Uh, the woman, though, was able to actually escape. Um, and find find a road. Uh, she had to climb on the nubs of her arms that had been cut off to get to the road. Um, and I do believe she's still alive today. She didn't die after the incident, and she, she actually survived for a very long time. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say she's actually an artist, but I could be getting that mixed up, and I feel really bad that I don't remember her name. Um, anyway... Uh, regarding the story, <laughs> sorry, Christopher, <clears throat> regarding the story, though, uh, again, Chris is such a phenomenal writer, and it was a very interesting little piece, so thank you very much, Chris, Tofer, Bice. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Dearly Beloved by Len Sakula, right? Uh, I quite like the term squirgle. It just, because it sounds really enthralling to say in your mind, and yes, when I read it, I did... Uh, have to say it out loud. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is a pleasantly lighthearted and very enjoyable piece that is just like, it's pure delight. And again, plenty of fun to have gone through. So thank you very much, Len. And next up, The Challenges of Dating in These Modern Times by Timothy Law. And as usual, Tim, uh, he hits us with pure hilarity. Uh, in fascination, I really, really like this piece. The, the anticipation, the growing twitches in your gut of weight and curiosity and interest. And when it arrives, you can't help but just, like, reel in the satisfaction. Absolutely delightful work, Tim. And absolutely plenty of fun. <sighs> And next up, we have Something Better teaser number eight, Escape, by Jim Bates. And again, I love revisiting this story, and uh, it's fun. I think I said it last time, too, where, you know, we we revisit these particular points throughout this story. And, you know, for me, again, when, when Joe and I first came onto the podcast— uh, Jim had just started this series, so it's very uh, nostalgic for me in particular because it just, I don't know, like it it harkens back to this moment where um, I, I just was truly able to admire <laughs> the brilliant, brilliant work of this magazine beyond just being a reader, you know what I mean? Uh, so, and I love this, the, the, the entire chapter, but I love this little teaser in particular because, again, it was never stress-free. <laughs> and so I, I distinctly recall the first time reading this, I was just like, I was sweating, you know. So, thank you very much, Jim. And I do believe that you can uh, get something better on MythMart.com in its entirety. All right, and next up we have 365 by Kate McDonald Dunbar. Uh, I won't lie, 
with this one. I was genuinely confused at first, but then everything fell into place and I felt like this piece was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. It is hilarious and silly and goofy, but in all the ways that just make you genuinely look at your computer with an upturned brow of curiosity. <laughs> I think Kate rocked this story and it was so much fun. Absolutely excellent work, Kate. And finally, we have Through Wolf-Like Eyes, Part 3 by David K. Montoya. Uh, I don't know if this is the end of the series, but I certainly hope it isn't. I'm so curious and eager for more just because I'm genuinely interested in Tidwell. Um, it also just could be the fact that I am on like a Batman high right now. Uh, <laughs> and the story of like corrupt politicians, it just kind of like lent to my current fictitious interests but I very much enjoyed it so thank you very much Dave and that will lead us into children's literature in our first story it happened in the park by Gabriella Balcom that was absolutely adorable um I absolutely loved the the preciousness of the story and the absolute innocence. Just an overall pleasantly joyous story that really did an excellent job in capturing that childhood terror of mistakes and accidents and making up for them. You know, it was just a really uh, delightful story and I enjoyed it from the beginning to the end. So wonderful work, Gabriella. And next up, we enter the fantasy realm and our first story calls in the night by James Rumple. So James, personally, this is, this is a true accusation. James personally walked up to me, ripped my heart out of my chest, laughed, then chucked it on the ground and left me so, so devastatingly sad. Um, I'm absolutely kidding. That is not a real accusation. Uh, <laughs> but the story really did break my heart. Uh, I loved it. I loved the retribution. And I loved that James is so amazingly adept at handling these topics and subjects with like ju just this genuine fero ferocity. And I also um, loved how different the story felt to his other pieces, especially in the magazine. You know, it's it's still very recognizable as his work. Uh, don't get me wrong. But when James goes for the jugular of emotions, he goes for it. So absolutely amazing, amazing work. Um, I loved this piece. So thank you very much, James. And I'm kidding. I swear, like, you didn't harm me. You just made me sad. <laughs> with your work, with your story. Um, but I love you and I adore everything you do. Okay, next up, Dark Demon by Kate McDonald Dunbar. I think this was a pretty wickedly fun little piece, possibly even a first part of a longer story. And I love vampire lore. So this was indeed quite a joy to read and consume. And additionally, I really uh, did like how Kate presented the format and arrangement of this piece, the the appeal to what we assume is the antagonist, you know, who we ultimately learn a few other things about. You know, I won't lie, the, the contact lens part made my eyes water. You know, I'm a contact wearer. Uh, the idea of silver speckled in there, oof, but I know that's actually not how it happened. It just... That's how my brain was like, imagine that. <laughs> um, but I did, you know, I get exactly what she was going for. And this is by no means a judgment on that. That was just me being a little, you know, sensitive-eyed baby. Uh, <laughs> it just made me uh, blink a few times. Anyway, it was absolutely excellent work, Kate. And next up we have Susie's Wish, part three out of three by Gabriella Balcom. Uh, do you guys all just like meet up in secret and um, genuinely, you know, create some conspiracy regarding how to make uh, all your readers cry? Uh, <laughs> is that is that what's going on? I'm kidding. Uh, this piece was a beautiful finale that was incredibly touching and heartfelt and super, super sweet. And again, I love Gabriella expanding her work uh, with multiple chapters because she does it very eloquently. And there's always a load of sincerity that bleeds through her work. So again, such a 
lovely finale. Thank you so, so, so much, Gabriella. And finally, we have Patriot's Tale Part 13 by Timothy Law. Um, things are getting super intense now. And I mean, like, they were already intense in the last few chapters, but we've evolved to a whole different kind of tension. I do really enjoy seeing Anton in a role where he's he's forced to work with Petra. You know what I mean? Like, they did have to work together before, but, like, now they they are essentially considered equals-ish. You know, Petra is still, you know, in a, you know, much different role than he is. But anyway, um, you know, I'm sure he's begrudging every moment of it. Uh, but it's it's a lot of fun to see Pedro and Heidi deal with his attitude, too. You know, though, again, in reality, uh, ugh, you know, I, <laughs> I just really like how Tim has transitioned from chapter to chapter with such beautiful fluidity that maintains the pace, you know, very nice and appealing. And as with every chapter in the series, I am super, super excited for the next chapters and to see how, you know, travel and the battle will ultimately pan out. Uh, delightfully excellent work, Tim. And now we shall head over to the terrifying horror section with our first story, Arasu by Jim Bates. And what an absolutely amazing story. Jim blew me away with his tact in caring for this story. You know, the fact that it's human, that is this ugly thing, uh, and how we should never take for granted the love in return from our natural, natural world. You know, I just think this was a spectacular story, especially handled in the tone of the horror genre. It's it's absolutely not hard to fall in love with Arasu and the lore. So excellent work, Jim. And next up we have I'm gonna i I'm gonna butcher this dang word. A toglog. A toglog. Uh Island by Don DeBrawl. I am so sorry, Don. Doesn't roll off the tongue. Uh I absolutely love this story. First of all. I loved the inclusion uh, in the story with our protagonist and her sexuality uh, being essentially her safeguard. That is true iconic behavior right there. I think Dawn succeeded in developing a story entwined with mystery and confusion and lore and biblical imagery and just overall a super, super, really fascinating, unique tale. And it was it was kind of funny because at first I was like, exit to Eden? <laughs> you know, remember the film and the book by uh, Anne Rice? Uh, so I already kind of sidetracked my brain with that. Uh, but when everything started to puzzle itself out, you know, it, it was even more jarring and absolutely fascinating. So really, truly an entertaining and creepy story. And next we have Penance, Part 11, Desperate Measures by Stephanie J. Barty. Well, 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 that took an interesting turn, didn't it? Uh, I'm super excited. That sounded super sarcastic. I did not mean it. <laughs> um, I'm super excited for the the development with Cynthiana and Ash, especially regarding their intentions. I also really respect the lore about their creation. I think that was really, really interesting. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of fascinating aspects that turn up in their role and their dynamic. I also like that Marlon totally expects Reese uh, to drop, you know, a cool, like, mill on a house somewhere near the Orange Corner. <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, seriously, this was a great addition, and I'm very enthralled with where we are headed. So thank you very much, and terrific work, Steph. And next up, we have in our action and suspense category, uh, Maggie's Ascension by Steve Carr. The tension in this story was 
insane. Uh, the fact that it didn't take a turn and give like a sweet, wholesome ending where everything, you know, everyone is saved and, and everything is all right is what makes the story both so good and also so desperately horrifying. Um, the mystery of it all, you know, the anticipation and the loss of hope, it's, it's just, it's terrifying. It's so scary. Um, but it's arranged so well and worded, you know, the way Steve achieves his, um, ability to tackle something like that. It just is a phenomenal story. Uh, brutally, brutally entertaining and absolutely haunting. So excellent piece, Steve. And in our science fiction uh, single feature, we have The Crucial Election by Peggy Gerber. I really, really enjoyed this story. I appreciate the concept behind it as well, and that at the end of the day, the message is a beautiful uh, little perfect jab, if you will. <laughs> it was both enlightening and entertaining uh, to read, and I really, really love how Peggy presented this idea. And it does, uh, but doesn't correlate to what we know and have experienced today. It was just truly a fascinating story, and I really, really loved it. So, terrific and wonderful story, Peggy. And now we shall enter the humor section, and our first story, Fungus Among Us, by Lisa H. Owens. Um, Lisa, I absolutely love you. This story made me so giddy and happy. It was so silly and so lighthearted, and the narrative was just so funny and delightful. What is most precious about it, uh, whether or not, you know, it, it, it is, it truly feels like a complete retelling of a very real memory. And it just bleeds with this sort of perfect... Um, authenticness so there's this earnestness between the spaces that just feels so like enthralling and fully entertaining I love this dad he's an absolute goober in the best of ways and I don't know this story was just it was a really great comfort you know absolutely amazing story Lisa and I just adored every minute of it and I can honestly say this is a family I'd love to read about all the time. Just amazing. Uh, brilliant, comical, and enchanting work, Lisa. And next up we have Nail by Kate McDonald Dunbar. I love how Kate took something that is genuinely horrific and turned it into something so humorous. Uh, I was giggling throughout the whole thing, and I couldn't help but have to pause and repeat a part of the story as Mo from The Simpsons. <laughs> Last name Kerr, first name Joe, looking for a Joe Kerr. <laughs> I loved it. Okay, again, Kate hits the nail <laughs> on the head <laughs> With her delivery. I'm so sorry for that pun. <laughs> I couldn't help it. And the narrative that just works so fluidly and captivatingly in a way that still has me smirking to myself. So I loved it. Kate absolutely loved it. And finally, Getting the Shot, part four by Melissa Small. I'm happy we finally got closure on our duo, and I really did love the ending. This unthinkable buddy comedy about the, you know, this unlikely pair <laughs> and how everything turned out. I think it's a lot of fun to think of our main character uh, on an alien planet from here on out, and I think it will be good for him in the long run, honestly. Uh, maybe ease some of that, you know, the arrogance. <laughs> I'm just very happy to have a very fulfilling ending for this story, and I love Melissa's sense of humor, so thank you very, very much for sharing your work. And that leads us to poetry in our first piece, Xenophobia, by Kathy Sherbin. I truly love the way Kathy was able to surrender these thoughts into such a haunting transcendent and beautifully eloquent poem you know it speaks volumes about something that is a huge deal 
uh, yet tends to be skirted over or even forgotten until the next big call to action happens. And we all act super surprised, you know. Uh, So I think this is an imperative fact in how art can change the world, you know. Absolutely excellent and thoughtful work, Kathy. So thank you very, very much. And next up we have Snow White by David Painter. I love reimaginings of fairy tales or even honing in on their original content, which was typically quite more bleak uh, than what we know today through, you know, Disney and the more romanticized takes on the fantastical stories. So for that alone... I absolutely love this piece by David. I also think the poem itself is just rife with the truth of what would, you know, be regarding the fairy tale. And so I appreciate that deconstruction of the romanticism of what we think we know and the evolution of the reality of it all. You know, it was just a purely entertaining read. So thank you very much, David. And next up, we have Spirit Walker by Christopher Bice. Uh, Well, guess who else was left crying? Uh, Me. That's who. (laughs) I went over this poem a few few times uh, just because it was so beautiful. Again, with Christopher's work, there's this tendency to shift from the most beautiful and precious moments into the darkest, most terrible moments. And there's such a phenomenal organic nature of it all. You know, work that is so deeply seated with the reality of mortality, but that foreverness of love and adoration kinship. So beautiful work, Christopher. And number four on our list, a poem written by gremlins, about gremlins, for gremlins, by Timothy Law. I just, I have to take a moment to appreciate, you know, uh, to truly appreciate (laughs) that Tim rhymed (sighs) Stephanie with we. (laughs) Just hang with me for a moment while I giggle (laughs) like an imagery hero. Okay, okay, all right, the moment has passed, Uh, and I'm moving back into a mature mind. All right, (laughs) I love these dang entries. They always make me laugh, and I think Tim just makes them so silly and funny and delightful, so thank you, Tim, for reverting me back to a child. I truly appreciate it. (laughs) All right, and next up, I Am a Houseplant by Stephanie J. Body. I... Um, now have Feed Me Seymour stuck in my head, and I don't know why. On to the work itself, because I think, uh, I may have gone loopy at this point, I don't know, I blame Tim. Uh, I really, <laughs> I am kidding, Tim. Uh, I really like the simplicity of this piece, you know, the immediate pain of how we as people seem so undiluted and basic until we start to search for the depth and the truth of who we are and what we need. And sometimes we don't even know what we need uh, and and that we do need certain things. Things as simple as staying hydrated or a surprise text from a friend. I just really like this poem because it really captures so much of the human spirit with ease and it really is absolutely beautiful. So excellent work, Stephanie. And next up, we have A Tattooist Canvas by Kate McDonald Dunbar. Uh, Way to take something that tends to be marked as, like, deviant and make it absolute beauty. As a tattooer haver, a tattooer haver, a tattoo haver, there is nothing quite like giving an artist their freedom to conceptualize something amazing and this piece is absolutely magnificent in its approach because we can comprehend it through today's modern techniques and styles but also look back to the cultural significance of tattoos and artistry so really really awesome and sleek work Kate I loved it and finally When Tears Walk Away by Kevin Magnus Oof, uh, this one rings absurdly deep, you know, it leaves no mystery, and it's brutal in that sense. There's no frilly words to decorate, you know, the isolation and treachery in this one, so it hits in a very unique way. Uh, Think on, 
you know, Nine Inch Nails hurt. It's just, it's there, it's in your face, a blatant display of hurt and agony. So I really appreciate uh, the bleakness and the sadness and the absolute loss and terror within this place. And I just hope Kevin is okay. And on that note, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available 24 hours a day and can be reached at uh, 800-273-8255. <sighs> You guys got me out of breath. Okay, next we will uh, jump over into the art gallery. And the first piece is They'll Eat Your Eyes by Etmois, Jenna Sparks. Um, and uh, when I did this piece, I was listening to the Hearst song on repeat. And I really just wanted excuses to draw bugs and arachnids and portraits. Uh, so I did a whole little, little baby series. And, you know, we all... Uh, we all know the person who actually uh, bought the original, so <laughs> shout out to you. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that piece. I love drawing bugs. Okay, uh, next up we have The Batman by Vincent May. Uh, here is vengeance. <laughs> I My favorite part, my eyes are immediately drawn to it, is that subtle yellow uh, light source that just gives this piece so much life, and it looks so good. I love Vince's approach in doing his um, portraits in the style. And ugh, again, I just can't get over the the crispness of this piece. You know, those beautiful lines and the subtleness of the, the tones throughout. It just reads in such a stunning, super smart way. I also love that his ears have that slight curvature to them, like inward. Uh, and it almost gives them like the, the faintest horn like look just it really neat and super super fun to look at and next up we have nothing left to give by Talia McMullen I love this little fella uh this is a piece that also has a way of speaking volumes offering us all we need to know about what the point and purpose of it is the play on the palette too uh is just breathtaking and the the mon monotony the monotony that's not the right word. <laughs> the use, goodness gracious. The white against that violent surge of red uh, is just stunning. I'll get back to that word. I'll figure out what I was trying to say. I absolutely love this piece. And while I completely understand the tragedy and sadness of it all, I can't help but find this character super, super cute. Um, so, yeah. So, that uh, closes out the art section. And... We move along <laughs> on our way to the review section. So, uh, the first one, the World of Mythbits podcast with me. Y'all already know it's there. Uh, next up is the review of Dexter New Blood uh, and playing Dexter's advocate with me. Hopefully, you read it because I talked about it last week in my episode. And um, hopefully, I don't get hate mail. I haven't gotten hate mail, I don't think. So. We'll see. All right. So let's move on to the uh, excellent content. And we have the review of Yasunari Kawabata's Snow Country by Michael A. Arnold. And in this review, Michael approaches the translated text of Nobel Prize winner Yasunari Kawabata's uh, novel Snow Country, a novel originally published in Japanese in 1948 and later translated in 1956. Snow Country seems to have a distinct voice, unlike most fiction. Michael acknowledges the intentional coldness throughout the novel, both synonymous with the novel setting, but also the overall feeling throughout its pages. In it, we find characters who are unlikable and very, very painfully human, delving into relationships from very different places in one's life, including emphasis on more conservative and traditional areas of Japan and the westernized, westernized and modernized uh, Tokyo. Michael lays it all out and intrigues the audience to seek out the novel and to remember to be patient with it, as it's hardly a quick, easy read and should be approached with care and caution. Overall, it's a fascinating story and also a fascinating review from Michael that sheds light on this brilliant novel and its deserving nature of both modern appreciation as well as an updated translation. <sighs> like I said, you guys got me out of breath. Okay. <laughs> 
Next up, we have the Cyberpunk 2077 review by Nolan P. Smith. That was very hard to say for some reason. 2077 by Nolan P. Smith. All right. In this review, Nolan throws previous notions of Cyberpunk 2077. I think it's just because I can't even say 2022 yet. Like, my brain is just like, no, we're not there. Okay. In this review, Nolan throws previous notions of Cyberpunk 2077 out the window and tackles the importance of the game having been launched just a tad prematurely. Upon its release in 2020, the game was riddled with flaws and glitches, and while CD Projekt Red issued plenty of patches, the game simply needed to find its footing on a system more mature and capable capable of handling it. Nolan experiences the game on uh, the PS5 console and admits that it seems the game is in its proper home now with flaw-free mechanics and stellar graphics and seems to do the game uh, deserved justice once and for all. Uh, now if only I could get myself a PS5 for less than $700 and play it myself. Okay. And finally, we have the review of Claude Monet's Impression Sunrise by Michael A. Arnold. Uh, in this review of Monet's Impression Sunrise, Michael takes the reins and give us, gives us an, an in-depth review in detailing uh, of the Impressionist movement in the late 1800s. Here he explains the exploration and differences of Impressionist art versus the traditionally norm uh, of the traditionally norm normalcy the traditional normalcy there we go of neoclassical art which has been most popularized prior to impressionism uh, we explore the varying techniques used up to this point including uh the sheer distance the artist has from their work for one in aiming to create and i love this word that michael chose uh to use clinical pieces <laughs> This was perfect. It was perfect. Uh, with no major exploration beyond what was just there. Michael also leads us throughout another one of Monet's most famous pieces, Water Lilies in Japanese Bridge. And it's an insightful and a very interesting article from Michael that truly appreciates the deeper mechanics of the art movement. I always look forward to Michael's reviews. Like I said, that's like... I, I, I don't want to say, oh, it's my favorite part of the magazine, but I, I just, I, I don't know, like, I always find myself feeling very smart afterwards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so thank you very much, Michael, for your work. Uh, so that is it, guys. That is the review. <sighs> okay. <sighs> that was a lot. That's a lot of words. Um <laughs> All right. Again, I genuinely want to thank every single one of you for uh, your submissions, for your patience, for uh, just being a part of the magazine, because uh, you are obviously what makes it go round. And uh, on that note, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine, and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. I'm gonna go catch my breath now, drink some coffee, <laughs> um, go, I don't know, scream off the rooftops about winning, uh, being a part, being a winner. I'm, I'm just, I'm a winner, baby. <laughs> Sorry, you guys, I've lost it. Okay, thank you very much. So until next time, <laughs>